Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Source Code Coffee Podcast, episode 01. Uh, on today's show, we are talking about Source Code, a magazine we publish internally on sourcing and sustainability. Uh, but before we dive uh, in to talk about Source Code, uh, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves here. So uh, today's, uh, sorry, <laughs> go you go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> sure. Hi, I'm Colin. Uh, I am the... Uh, what, what's my job? I, I, I roast coffee You're here at Metric. You're the coffee wizard, I think. Yes. That's what we call you around here. Yeah, I think on my business card, it's a roasting and QC manager. Yes. Here at Metric Coffee uh, in Chicago. Um, who are you? I am the other coffee wizard. I'm, uh, I'm the... Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Xavier. I'm co-owner of Metric. Um, I collaborate i would say like with with colin on our purchases we are a chicago-based coffee roaster and we've been in business since uh 2012 well technically 2013 i think we were operating illegally for the first year Mm -hmm. like a lot of businesses and uh yeah we moved here to our current space in 2013 uh then we opened the cafe in 2016 and we've just organically grown and uh, developed our uh, our brand and coffee menu and relationships over the course of you know the past six seven years, and um, yeah, and then today we're here talking about Source Code, the the magazine we published um, a couple uh, rather it's yeah fairly new, but mm-hmm. it's um, been a, a year about a year and a half long project, year and a half process, and it took a lot of writing and uh, deleting and rewriting and mm-hmm. you know almost completely scrapping the project and then uh you know thankfully because of uh the help of our friends at azahar coffee thank you azahar and uh, of course colin was a huge help and other people involved we were able to make this happen yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah so uh tell me a little bit more about yourself how so you you started metric in 2013 how long have you been in the coffee industry so I've been in coffee since, let's see, my first job was Starbucks. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know if I should, I should consider, you know, I should add that to the, to the resume, but oh, yeah, I started, you know, it, and I'll tell you like, so I started back in 2001 um, at Starbucks and I was there for about a year and then I joined a new company and in Orlando, that's where I'm from, Orlando, Florida. Um and at that company, there was a tiny little Ambex roaster. So I, uh, yeah, I got curious, started tossing green beans into it and turning them brown. And I really fell in love with the, 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 the ritual, you know, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think like, you know, my story is very similar to anyone who roasts coffee. It's a, it's a, it's a, a way by which you can express yourself through a machine and then develop um, flavors and develop um, um, characteristics in the coffee that um, w- wouldn't otherwise be there if you didn't roast them. So that that was uh, exciting, and that's how I caught the bug. Um, but it wasn't until I went to a coffee. Uh, no, no, it was yeah, it was Coffee Fest in Georgia that I had a really delicious cup of coffee. And the, and that the, what was exciting about that moment it was. Um, a coffee that was roasted by PT's coffee mm. and it was a natural hurrah and I tasted that coffee. And I, I literally thought the dude 
put blueberries in the coffee. And I'm like, holy crap, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's just coffee. And, you know, up until that point, I'd just been roasting the crap out of the coffee. You know, it's just been like charred. Um, that's how we like it in Florida. Oh, you know, yeah. you're from Florida. You know. I will point out we are both from Florida both and we Floridians, apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, we're uh, we'll admit it on on, on air. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I fell in love with it and I just never looked back. I did other things, you know, worked in music and went to beauty school and, you know, did, did that whole like trying to find who I am. Who am I? What do I want to do with my life? Uh, and always came back to coffee. So, you know, when I when when I had then when I moved to uh, Chicago in 2008, um I was uh, kicking it around the city, working odd jobs. And then I finally landed a job with Intelligentsia. And, you know, were it not for that experience in that, you know, that that period of my life where I was able to um, be exposed to a bigger sort of world, I guess, you know, like a, a broader spectrum of, 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 of coffee and relationships and uh, sourcing, um, I don't think I would be where I am today. So big ups to Intelli for their, the, that opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was there for a couple of years and then, um, yeah. And then I had met Darko, who's, who's my partner here at metric in 2011, maybe. And then, uh, that, you know, co- conversation started. And then from there, uh, you know, like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if yada, 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 um, that yada turned into, Hey, I found a probot, which is the UG we have here in, at metric. And we bought it, um, brought it from Germany, fixed it. And from there, we just started to, um, yeah, kind of figure out how to, how to build a brand, how to, how to put together a coffee company. We have no investors like back then and or today. So that was re- challenging, but also rewarding. We had uh, the ability to express ourselves in the way we wanted to. So that, that, you know, that, that was, that has always been a good thing. It was really difficult, but it's been a good thing. And um, today we have a a beautiful little company here in Chicago and some amazing people, including yourself. I'd say so. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we're really fortunate. We're really thankful. And, uh, you know, now today we um, are sourcing coffee in Honduras, um, Guatemala. We buy from Peru, Ethiopia. Uh, we just um, were able to finally, thank God, we're able to get coffees from Mexico, uh, direct trade through uh, my buddy Jorge Ruiz. So you know, now we're expanding in Costa Rica, which you, that's you, you're all Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, we're growing, we're expanding the countries where we're buying coffee from. And um, over the course of the pandemic year, we, you know, we started the, the source code project and, um, you know, today we're here to talk about it. So, yeah, I know you have some questions for me, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. So, I mean, counting, counting your, your time at Starbucks, that makes uh, 20 years in specialty coffee for 20 you. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, and I still love it. I do. I, I love it. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So with a focus on, you know, with, with source code, the big focus of this magazine is on sustainably sourcing green coffee. Yep. So how long have you had a hand in uh, managing relationships at Origin? What was your, what was your first Origin trip like? You know, yeah. how, w- when did you start to meet coffee farmers and get a, 
a taste of that world. Yeah, that that was uh, that was in 2015, and I'll keep it's a it's a rather it's it's it could be a long story, but I'm gonna keep it short because we sure. don't have forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I went to Honduras and I went on a buying trip with a couple other buyers and uh, felt a little bit more like. Uh, like a, an excursion, like it felt like a church trip rather than mm-hmm. a buying trip, you know, like I'm sort of like, okay, here's the calendar. Here's, we're going to be here this time. We're going to be here that time. And that's all great. And and it was a really beautiful experience. But in that trip, um, Charlie Haberger, who used to work for Blue Bottle at the time, I believe he's now with Royal. Um, and he also was a, an, an Intelli alum. And like he was a, a buyer for Intelli or no, he was a, uh, he worked, he did education and intelligentsia, and then he moved on. Um, and so I've known Charlie for a couple of years, great guys, wicked smart, you know, just really good people. And um, he was there and eventually Benjamin Bass uh, joined us and um, they were there, they were together for about a day and they had planned on leaving to go back to, Peña Blanca, which is where Beneficio San Vicente is. Um, I think the morning of when they were packing, I literally was like, can I join you guys? You know, I had literally just dumped, you know, I didn't so dump, you, I left the you other just people. just ditched the trip that you were yeah, on. Yeah, I skipped the trip I was option. with, so um, I apologize to that group, but I I needed to go. Benjamin had told me, he's like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of metric. And, you know, I think back then in 2015, we were only two years old, which technically was like we're still a baby you know we're non-existent and uh so he'd heard about us and he said i'd love to work with you and i was like i'd love to work with you too so then i asked him can i can i join you guys and they said sure hopped in the truck and we drove back from la paz to um santa barbara and uh specifically peña blanca which is where the mill's at and i cupped some incredible coffees i had the sort of, I mean, it was a magical time. Uh, we were, we, we literally ended, we got to the mill at 11 PM and he set up a cupping at 11 PM. I'm sorry. That sounds yeah. terrible. It, well, you know, I mean, at my old age, cupping at 11 PM is not a good idea, but mm-hmm. I will say that at, 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 at that time, it was so exciting because we were tasting oh, coffees sure. that were just like, this is so unique, special, um, clean you know just like everything you love about good coffee especially good under and coffee mm-hmm. i found on those tables so um that's how the romance began with ben i mean it just started there and we've been buying from them ever since so yeah oh yeah, yeah. he's he's one of uh he's definitely one of metric metrics best relationships yeah. that we have I t- well, if we, we can't say best no about, yeah all, i mean that's uh you know we yeah. we love them all they're all our friends they're yes especially they're all family Hamid. Shout out to Benjamin. Yeah. So at what point, you know, the, the first time you visited a farm, uh, was it, did you immediately see a need to, uh, let me come at it like this. Source code, it's focused on trying to make the coffee trade better, more sustainable. Yeah. Well, transparent. Yeah. Just, and it's for consumers, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Did you immediately see a need for that the first time that you visited or was this something that's developed over time? It, it developed over time because, you know, I think the, the, the transparency narrative as, as popular as, as it's gotten within the specialty coffee segment is it's, it's a good thing because we know, you and I know that you could source a coffee that 
cups in the mid eighties for close to sea price, you know, and that's like tragic, you know, like I know that the, you know, we, we both know that roasters are the actors that benefit most in supply chain. Um, of course, there are other people that benefit almost as much and, you know, they're, they're, involvement in, in the supply chain is just pushing paper and, and and there's nothing wrong with that it's 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 needed it's crucial but at the same time what we're talking about is ensuring that there's transparency and equity in the supply chain and you know truthfully we don't have all the answers you know i think the the the, the wisest and more most uh the smartest people in the room are still asking themselves like how do we make this better and I want to be a part of that conversation. You know, I want to be a student of those people. And right. so that, you know, creating source code was a way by which we can put into a magazine format, um, a, a, an illustrative and also like a textual uh, representation of, of, of our industry. Now it's, it's more complex than what you'll find at the magazine. Some people might think there's, there's too much in here. Other people might not think there's enough. And so I'm open to, you know, having folks judge it and interpret it in whatever way they want to, but creating source code was a way by which we can um, include the public, you know, and also as we started to create this magazine or, or publish, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, I'm, I'm finding out that it's, it could be a really good resource for baristas and maybe like new roasters, you know, like you want to get into roasting. Maybe this is a good thing. There, there are better books. Like I know that shouldn't say that because we're trying to sell this thing, but there are really solid. Well, there's a lot of books. great information out there now. Yes. And, and, uh, yeah. and on this topic, I've already identified probably six different things that the, uh, the general coffee consumer probably has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So, we, if you haven't read source code, we really recommend that you grab a copy uh, that'll bring you up to speed with a lot of the basic concepts that we're talking about. When we talk about the C price, we talk about things like FOB, uh, any of the, the, the points in the supply chain, we explain really well in, in this uh, in this magazine. For time's sake in this podcast, I don't know if we're going to be able to no, yeah. dig as uh, deep into explaining everything as we can. So we apologize to anyone if anything goes right over your head. Yeah. But uh, so this season, we're going to be having some guests on, right? Each week, yes. we're going to be interviewing other people involved in the uh, the sourcing of green coffee, right? Absolutely. That's the, the goal. Yeah. So the, the goal definitely is, you know, we, we, we are following up source code with the podcast. And we thought that it would be a really good thing for us to talk to other buyers. You know, like we, we have our perspective. And I think that our perspective aligns with other coffee professionals which we love but also like we, we're not here to uh, create this format to have other people agree with, with us or vice versa it's just to have an open discussion and be able to learn other people's perspective um you know the 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 green coffee buyers the bridge between the coffee producer and the roaster um and you know because we're also talking about quality besides sustainability, we, we want to hear how um, sustainability and quality can coexist. Can they, can they not, you know, I, we believe it can, it, it, it should, and it does, but also, you know, we, coffee buyers are not always 
the coffee company owners, you know, so they may have to operate under a different standard, which is, you know, they can't pay above a certain price. They can't buy certain coffees. They need to, you know, I don't know. They need to. Ultimately we're, we're running a business. Yes. Yes. As much as we, we fight it, it doesn't help anyone if we are not, you know, protecting our own profits in the, yeah. in our participation in this industry. But I, I think the, the idea is that, you know, assuming that we are creating a, you know, or making responsible business decisions, what, what how can we continually evaluate yeah. those business decisions to make sure that we're, you know, treating people fairly. We have yeah. a lot of power in this, uh, in this dynamic that, um, yeah. it, you know, the, the farmer has traditionally been the uh, the person in the supply chain with the least amount of control over yep. what their their product is sold for. Uh, they they just don't have very much stability or guarantee on their income traditionally. So we're uh, we're we're really looking to find other roasters that we see participating in the way that uh, you know has ways that have that these ways have inspired us some people that we'll talk to have uh we've been paying attention to what they've been doing for years and it's influenced our own coffee careers yeah um others are contemporaries that have been you know people that we've worked with that have gone on to start their own businesses um so there's a, there's a lot of really great uh, experience and just varied perspectives out there. I'm really excited to, to get some of the guests on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we, we have, uh, I guess, should we name a couple of them? I mean, might be kind of start to peep. Well, who's, uh, sure. Maybe the, the, yeah. the, the ones that we're going to be talking to in the next week or so. Um, so yeah. So first up we have Gabe Boscana and Gabe is, uh, an old friend and he was my, uh, former colleague slash Boston intelligentsia. Uh, he's worked at Cyglass. I mean, he's paid. I mean, he's he's been in a lot of different companies, and now he owns and operates Machina, um, his own roasting company. So we're going to start with him, and also Mr. Tim Hill, uh, formerly of uh, Counterculture, and now with Atlantic. So uh, we work with Tim, and we we really, yeah, we're really excited to talk to both of the guests, and you know, for for different reasons, but they're they they're both going to. Yeah, they're, I think they're both going to give us a lot of uh, a lot to think about and a lot to get excited over. So totally, yeah, cool. I've I've personally been following both of their work for for years now and uh, really, you know, inspired. I've learned a lot from both of these people. Um, yeah, you know, Tim Hill working for Counterculture. Counterculture was, you know, being from the South. Yeah, that was my uh, I. I was originally inspired by both intelligentsia and counterculture. Um, counterculture being based out of North Carolina had a bit more of a presence in the South and the, you know, the, I, I started paying attention to specialty coffee in 2007. So, um, mm, wow. yeah, it's, it's been a little while now, but that was when intelligentsia was already having a, a really big period of growth. And yeah. so was counterculture and, they were leading the conversation with sourcing coffee directly from farmers and just reevaluating the green coffee supply chain. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, yeah. perspective that it's one of the people that was a part of starting this whole movement that we're a part of now. Absolutely. Yeah. And as, as you had mentioned, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching, you know, we're, so we're, we're approaching other buyers that we feel are doing, um, an excellent job at, um, 
communicating transparency and communicating quality and um, the importance of of uh, buying in a way that's ethical and that that is what we do here at metric and we always want to strive to not be complacent and think we got it all figured out because we certainly don't we have much to learn but part of the journey is to um always have an open mind and open eyes and ears to accept and and, and learn where we don't quite have it figured out and, and, and figure out how to adjust and make it better. Um, we, as we both travel for coffee and, and work with smallholders in Central and South America, we see that the importance of, of having, pay, paying a better price for coffee to ensure that they have a living, like a living wage, essentially, you know, like we, um, part of, part of the magazine um, will focus on data and will focus um, on the price that we pay um, to a particular coffee producer that we use in source code. Uh, it's a, we have a case study with the Colombian producer, Nelson Chavez, who we've been working with since 2018. And, um, you know, I, I it, it, it's really too much for me to talk, you know, to sort of extrapolate mm -hmm. in the in just one episode. So over the course of the next whatever 10 episodes that we do, we're going to kind of talk about all these items. And um, also another thing, too, before I, I want to put a, for a footnote there, if at any point anyone has any particular questions, uh, you uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can Absolutely. email us. Right. So, I mean, that'd be cool. Like, mm -hmm. just say, hey, I don't understand what this means email us uh email colin actually because <laughs> right? shoot me an email colin at metric colin at metric com. coffee there, i'm there he will respond i will i'll respond to you but i i think he might be better for it yeah hey, yeah um I, I i need i need friends email me please email him yeah let him and it doesn't have to be about the source code it could be about anything just like what kind of shampoo do you use sure what's your favorite fish song i don't know whatever i like to cook we can talk about that yeah anything it's fine he's your friend. Um, but I, yeah, the, 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 the data is really important because when we're talking about, when we're talking about equitable sourcing practices, um, the data has to, uh, be not only transparent, but it has to make sense to, the public because the end consumer is the one buying the coffee, right? So like if you have a coffee that costs 20 to $24 retail USD, um, that's, that's, that's a really good price for, you know, that's, that's for specialty coffee. If it's a quality coffee, um, that's, that's a great price. You know, I mean, I'm saying a great price for the roaster. Um, but at the same time, I guess the questions that we have and we, and what we want to learn in this journey is that, um, what, how can we as roasters ensure that there's equity across the, the spectrum? And by spectrum, I mean, from the farm level uh, to the roaster level, right? A lot, a, lot of, a lot of companies may not really consider how, like, how can they go about paying a better price and also charging adequately at the retail level in order to offer health benefits and a living income to to everyone involved so here's a question yeah. why in in an industry you know for us it, 
we, we are a business and what we do is we buy green coffee, we roast it and we sell it beyond taking care of our employees. Why, why is it so important to ensure that the farmer is getting paid fairly? It's because we want them to be there tomorrow. Right. Like if you, and, if you and so what you're saying is that if, if we weren't looking out for the, the, the farmer in this scenario, that, that they might not be able to make a living wage off of their coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's just simple economics, you know, like if they're running a business, which it is, you know, farming is a business. They, you trade uh, raw coffee for cash. It's a, it's a cash crop. Right. So if, if their costs of production, you know, if their costs are going up and also the available pickers or hands or labor is uh, diminishing because the, you know, the, the wages are not going up. And if, if the price isn't, if not reflecting not only just the quality, but also a fair price that allows them to cover the costs of production, uh, pay pickers a better wage and also be able to save money and cover healthcare and send their kids to school, then why did, why would you do it? Definitely not. No. Right. So, so we mentioned earlier the, that the C price, so the C price, uh, is, yeah, it's a, a price set by the New York Commodities Exchange, yep. and it's a it's a global minimum price paid for coffee. Yeah, it fluctuates every day. Yeah. And that's what the majority of the industry is based off of. Absolutely. Well, I mean, specialty in the specialty coffee market, we don't we we circumvent the C price. So we work in specialty. And so the prices that we we pay are sort of by virtue of of. of of, of the, of the word specialty, I guess, you know, like we're dealing with uh, a quote unquote better price, but what we're learning is that, you know, so the C, C price since the 1970s has hovered around like a dollar. It's like average from 1970s to today and a dollar 30, which is nothing, right. It's really nothing. But, you know, today, like, as opposed to, you know, uh, in the 1970s, like the, the, the dollar went further back then, you know, like, and the cost of production was less. And so now with higher cost and the, and the dollar being worth less and also the currency exchange, like all, all that all uh, impacts the sort of the end result, if you will. And especially coffee roasters that are buying directly from uh, relationships, you know, like the, the established relationships, are, are aware of that they're aware of like, Hey, we don't, we're not going to bow to the market because we don't buy that way. We buy differently. We buy direct trade. And so we can boast a better price. We can talk about sustainability, but the sort of the, the elephant in the room is that even with all a seemingly better price, if we don't have the, the data to show like, what is a producer actually spending in this harvest to cover production and paid labor, then it's, it's kind of BS. So even $3 or, you know, let's say like, okay, C market is a dollar, but you know, we pay three. Do we know without a doubt that the $3 is actually equitable? We don't know. We can only, we, we, we can only make assumptions. And so part of this topic is to talk to other buyers to see, take, to, to get their take on this topic and um, you know, like, and, and to see like what comes of it, you know, like mm -hmm. see, like we, we want 
to hear people's frustrations. We, I want to hear people's anger over how things are done. I want to hear the hope. Like I want to hear how hopeful they are. I want to hear about the beauty and the literally everything in between, because that's how we all learn. We learn to be better by talking to one another. And unfortunately in not just in our industry, I think any specialty industry or any industry for that matter, people don't want to talk. They don't want to tell you, they want to keep their, it's, it's ego, you know, mm -hmm. they want to keep it to themselves or, or, or they want to boast that they're the sort of the head honchos in that area. And this is not about that. Like right. let's, let's strip, let's strip all that and let's just be real. And so that's, that's what we want to talk about. That idea that we, we learn to be better by communicating with one another. So that absolutely. And that goes straight to, uh, our experiences in sourcing green coffee. Uh, we, you know, we, we have a lot of ideas about how we want to pay farmers, but ultimately I think the biggest, uh, thing that's, that's been a, you know, a, a positive change for this industry has been the growth of technology, you know, in, internet cell service mm -hmm. reaching to these remote places of the world where coffee has grown has allowed us to, you know, uh, more easily bring the farmer into the, the table for negotiations. Um, yeah, this, absolutely. this idea of just being able to have a conversation with the farmer and yeah. know, do they feel that they are being paid, you know, they're being compensated fairly for their work. Uh, so Absolutely. often they have not been invited into those conversations. You have a broker in the middle yeah. that buys the coffee and then sells it to a, a buyer like us. Uh, we've put a lot of work into circumnavigate. You know, often we, we still uh, work with a lot of these, these uh, you know, people that are in the middle on the supply chain, uh, importers, uh, at, export groups at origin that are working with the farmers but we always ask to have the farmer be present at the table for that that conversation yeah um, absolutely i mean that's why it's important for us to visit you know so that's the purpose of of, of, of visits uh well not just that there's many purposes you know for us a visit is um it's it's not only good for the soul and energizing you know like it's it's like in a way it feels like I mean, like these places are not technically home, but they feel like home to a degree because we were visiting people that feel like family. Um, I think anyone who's a, a green coffee buyer listening to this, you, I'm sure you'll, um, you'll, you'll feel the same way. But you know, like when you when you visit, um, I'm sure people roll out like they're maybe for the lack of a better word, the Sunday's best. You know, like they put out the best food. Uh, they want to you know, embrace you. They want to greet you. It's literally the one time a year that they look forward to, you know, besides other birthdays, et cetera, you know, there are other major holidays, you know, like that, that one event, that visit is really they've, important. Yeah. They've definitely always made us feel that way. Yeah. We are the honored guests when we arrive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I, you know, none of us are ever lost on that, totally. of the importance of it, that the, you know, people make, sacrifices to you know coffee producers sacrifice a lot to produce high quality coffee and um you know and and also 
many places that I, and I, I, I know this is probably not important to talk about now, but I always think about, I was mentioning to my friend Jose Rivera that uh, at one point we, from origin coffee lab about like, man, everywhere I go, I just eat chicken. That's all they have. And then he's like, no, that's like, they don't cook chicken every day. It's just mm-hmm. that they want to cook the best, you know, and they, they'll literally run out to the yard and kill a chicken and, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, and while, I may not always prefer it. I appreciate it. And I'm thankful Mm -hmm. because it's, um, you know, they're just, they're just showing thanks, you know, and that's, it's a beautiful transaction. It's a beautiful thing. It's not just like, here's the cash, give me the coffee, bye. Like, and that's, that's, we, we want to avoid that. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, the ability to, uh, you know, traveling, all the coffee farms that I've been on have, also happen to be some of the most beautiful places in the world that I've been. Yeah. It's uh, these mountainous regions of you know, Central and South America, especially are just so like the weather, the, the vistas from the side of these mountains that they're, they're, they're beautiful. And the land is so fertile. Like they'll, most farmers aren't only growing coffee, the ones that live on the farm, they'll, they'll be growing all kinds of other fruits and vegetables for mm-hmm. themselves. And that, that life is just a life that is, uh, it's something that I want to support. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather support that than, uh, just like a, a huge Walmart style, global agricultural industrial system. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to be able to, to, to like, not only because it's the right thing to do, but just because it's, it, it adds value to my life to be able to support these, these farmers living a, a good life in a beautiful place. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's, that's the sort of that this is the deeper conversation within source code, you know, like we, we don't, you know, we cannot touch on every subject, uh, but the ability to have an open forum, like a podcast, you know, platform is to be able to put to tape these, these conversations, like anything that we couldn't have added to source code because of time or because it just didn't make sense. We're able to do within um, these episodes. And then furthermore, because we, we don't just want to only share our perspective, but we, we will hear other people's perspectives and learn from them. And that is really exciting. Um, But uh, before I forget, uh, you know, since we were, it was touching on, on data, Right. So like in the back of the magazine, uh, there is there there are numbers or uh, yeah, data, I guess it's uh, that um, basically covers um, what the price per carga would be. And carga carga coffee is just basically like one. Imagine a bag, one delivery, like one bag of coffee. That's one hundred and twenty five kilos of parchment. Right. So then, um, and I know that About maybe for some of you pounds, listeners, it might be something. like, well, what is that? And, you know, like, um, and we'll, we'll dive into that in, in, in other episodes, but just imagine one, one unit, right? The one unit of coffee. And what does the coffee producer need to earn per unit in order to make a more sustainable income? So as, as, you, as you can imagine, a sustainable income would mean a fair price, that covers uh, cost of production plus healthcare plus money to save to, to live, you know, like, um, and what Azahar did, which are, they, they partnered, there are, there are partners in Colombia, export partners. And we uh, ex- exclusively, I would say we buy uh, from them. 
and uh, they started a project a couple of years ago that is not widely known because it's it's mainly uh, an internal, um, I guess, uh, magazine. It's not a magazine. It's it's more of a they published uh, they published a, a handbook that's called the Sustainable Coffee Buyer's Guide. So if you Google it, you're not going to find it because it's all internal. But uh, I want to tell you about the Sustainable Coffee Buyer's Guide. And um, it was created by Tyler Youngblood from Azahar. And it was also, um, uh, they have uh, one of their uh, reps or colleagues, I guess. I, I forgot. I'm, and I apologize, Vera, because Vera is a wonderful soul. Vera Spindola Rafael. Um, she lives in Mexico and she works for Azahar and she is a genius and a wizard in numbers and understands coffee in ways that I'll never understand. So I really, really appreciate her help in this. And she, her and Tyler were able to put together some data that basically talks about, um, they, they did a study in three different departments in Colombia, and each department, they were able to, um, aggregate um, all of that data into um, understanding what the poverty wage in this community is, what a minimum wage and a sustainable wage. So imagine three tiers of income. So poverty, minimum and sustainable. And, and what they did was they were able to, to, to look at what each producer is uh, producing on average. So mo most smallholders or, or small coffee farmers own about one to two hectares of land in Colombia, no more than five, you know, but on average, they're really, really small farms. So if you can imagine, if you have a small farm, you're not producing a ton of coffee. And if you're living mostly on coffee, to earn a poverty wage on very little yield, it doesn't, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make if I was a producer, it wouldn't make me want to produce coffee, you know, like it's just not, it's, it, it's just not sustainable. So their study basically helps coffee buyers understand what a better price per carga can do in relation to, you know, the, the yield mm -hmm. that makes sense. So as I, well as uh, educating farmers, I, I think that's, that's something that that was really, uh, you know, it, it provided a big change of perspective to me and the way that Azahar's work was focused around not only educating the buyer, but yeah, uh, but actually giving the farmer a realistic perspective. This is and this is, a, you know, with the caveat that there's you know, many farmers out there that are, you know, really ex excellent business people at what they do and have built, you know, generational. Mm hmm. Uh, just really impressive small businesses for their families. Um, but there's a lot of farmers that uh, just because of lack of resources, not for lack of effort, yeah, yeah. have uh, never been able to figure out how to, you know, take the one, you know, for many, their, their coffee farm is their, their family's possession. You know, many inherit a farm from their, their yeah. family without uh, a good system on how to make a living wage off it. Absolutely. And, and what Azahar is yeah. doing is, is telling these farmers uh, here, here is a system for evaluating the profitability of your farm. And for many farmers, what that showed them was that their farm was not big enough to uh, 
to be profitable off of the current system. So either you need to invent a new system yeah, or you have to, you know, come up with a different plan for how you're going to earn money. Um, and yeah. that, that, and that information is super important to these farmers just to know, to get a realistic picture because so often there is a, there is like a communication gap. If, if farmers meet uh, green buyers in a really, you know, quick in and out kind of manner, then they might get a, uh, false hopes of what they might make. Yeah. Um, or they hear that the farmer on the other side of the Valley had a really good year and, uh, won a competition and sold their coffee and made a lot of money. And they think that they might be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. It's good to have this, this, uh, methodical way of breaking down the numbers. Yeah. So, so the farmer can know how much money might I make this year? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Nelson Chavez, who we work with in Colombia and, um, I would say like a good portion of our, um, the smallholders we work with that we buy micro lots from, we're paying um, what Azarhar considers a more sustainable income uh, per carga. Uh, and for us, it's really important because we are not, with, with this information, we're no longer guessing, right? So like in other countries, we pay like what we feel is like, man, that's a really good price. You know, we, we want people to, we want to make sure that the price works for everyone involved, uh, especially the producer. But of course, you know, we don't have the same system in other countries like Azahar it was able to establish in Colombia. Um, so we, we really feel, we strongly feel internally that the work they have done is going to make an impact across the industry. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, there's still, it's a work in progress for them. So they're still collecting data they're still you know researching they're still um you know talking to producers in other departments of colombia to be able to understand what does a producer in this area need to earn per carga in order to ensure that they're here tomorrow and that that is part of what source code is about it was inspired by visiting um colombia by talking to tyler and and vera and uh yeah and just having all those people influence what the, the result of what source code became so it's uh yeah. it's a really big conversation huge yeah and i think time. yeah uh, for for this episode i think we should wrap it up um yeah but i am you know i think we're gonna learn a lot from having these conversations with people and say i really encourage anyone uh, as you're listening please do reach out if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to add to the conversation we'd really like to hear from you awesome um thank you all so much for listening and we'll be back with another episode i guess with gabe or tim we'll we'll we'll, we'll see all right signing off cheers <laughs> <laughs>